Oh my god, this place is heaven! That's a, that's a lift man from a category two! Uh, what are you working on here? Is this a cuticle? In mint condition? <laughs> is that a kaiju skin parasite? I've never seen them alive before. They they usually die as soon as the kaiju falls. I thought you couldn't keep them alive. You can if you're soaking in ammonia. What do you want? I'm looking for Hannibal Chow. I was told he was here. Who wants to know? Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. And this week, joining us once again to talk about big, big, big robots is the one and only Alex Patak. That's movies, Jeremy. Let's get in the cockpit. <laughs> That's movies, folks. We are here in week three of Goddamn Robot Month. What a month! What a month it's been. I think probably today features the biggest robots yet. I wish every month was robot month. I'm sure somebody out there has done a uh, size comparison between the Pacific Rim robots and the um, real robot steel jocks. robots. Uh, and how no, the real robot steel jocks? robots are nowhere near this size. They're like the size of a Pacific Rim's foot. Yeah, a Pacific Rim, I was thinking about this for a lot of the movie, is standing in the ocean, these Jaegers. We'll yeah. explain what that means later. These Jaegers, they're standing in the full-on Pacific, and it's only up to, like, shin level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty fucking big. They and, really, um, they get to engage in the fine art of pool wrestling. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. Anyway, carry on. They should be playing on. chicken. They should be playing the classic pool game, chicken. They should have a sexy robot on top of their shoulders, bearing yeah. it all. <laughs> and that's the one that does the fighting. Yes, of course. Uh, but we're the, not... ro- the robot on the bottom just kind of blushes. <laughs> just happy to be there, really. It doesn't happy to be care there. if it wins or loses. <laughs> happy at that stage of their life to have a vagina anywhere near their head. Oh, mama. <laughs> But Says the robot. Yep. Folks, we're not we're next? not talking about uh, we're not talking about Pacific Rim yet. Alex, I simply must know what else did you watch this week? There's so many great movies out there, Jeremy. It's hard to pick one. But flipping on my latest content device, I went on to PlayStation.com <laughs> on the Netflix app, and I said, Netflix, show me your latest animated offerings. Because the barista at my local coffee store told me to watch an anime on Netflix. And then I found out I was kicked off my family's Netflix and I couldn't use that app. So I got off of that app and I started pirating and I went right to the pirate store and I said, excuse me, do you have the latest Netflix offerings? And when you know what they did. And so I pulled those up and I've been watching the hit show Peruto. Like, is that like Naruto, but like. Uh, Pluto. Pluto. Well, it's Pluto, but it's in Japanese. So the oh, L's and R, okay. they're the same sound. And they they make a meal out of this one. Mm. And it's a hit. It is. I only found this out after I started watching it. An Astro Boy interpret a dark Astro Boy interpretation. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Astro. He's like he's rocketing out of his feet. He's straight up rocketing out of his feet. Um. I've never seen Astro Boy before. Did not know what to expect. I was so I was at at my little cafe that I go across the street, and the mm-hmm. barista he's saying you got to watch Pluto because I'm wearing my Akira hoodie and I'm dripped head to toe and I'm fresh <laughs> to death. And he's like, you got to watch Pluto. I'm sorry. What does your Akira hoodie look like? Um, it's a rocking font and it's like it's covered in text and big mm. colors and stuff. It's fresh to death. Jeremy is what I would say. And so he's like, you got to watch Pluto. It makes you rethink the way we treat robots. (laughs) That was his pitch. And so I was like, I got to sit my white ass down. You got to watch. watch, You got to watch the Animatrix. It really makes you rethink the way we treat robots. It does make you rethink the way we treat robots. Um not so you sat Im- your white ass down and listened. I'm not as impressed with this as I am with the Animatrix yet. I'm only a few episodes in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the whole concept of it is uh, it's like doing an iRobot thing where it's like robots, they're forbidden to kill. But what about when they kill other robots? Mm. Given that robots are pretty much just dudes in this world. Um, and I'm having fun with that. I, I, I really enjoy when a silly show takes its moral dilemma very seriously. I think that's a lot of fun. Like, I mm-hmm. loved Attack on Titan. I know everybody hates on it now, but the idea that they, <laughs> they pretty much just made uh, werewolf nuclear bombs and we're right. like, what do we do about these? <laughs> <laughs> They're ruining the earth. Well, I remember uh, in Attack on Titan, especially like f- how how seriously you're supposed to take like the Titan threat and whatever. But then like once you see them, I mean, they're just like inside out boys and they're like, I remember when they, they Naruto like, run, they like they do a realistic Naruto run where it looks stupid. <laughs> yeah. But they also when they eat people, I remember for some reason that like the chomping is like a very like open mouth teeth out sort of a chomp. They flop the neck. The yeah. neck is back for every chomp <laughs> as if to say nom nom nom. <laughs> so it's also, extra embarrassed to be eaten that way. Also, a fun fact about the Naruto run, I do believe that it is just the natural run that you're meant to do, because I interact with a lot of toddlers on Tell a day-to-day basis, and they all Naruto run. That's how they run. Oh, the arms are only slowing you down. It's it's only in later life when some gym teacher or other athletic coach teaches you you're supposed to pump your arms. Propel you yourself. Stop doing that. <laughs> Um, I ran wrong for the first 10 years of my life. Several mm. people tried to teach me how to do it right. I would kind of leap from side to side in my run. Leap from side to side. Like it was less a run and more like I'd jump off my right foot forward, land on my left foot Oh, forward. yeah, no, I did that yeah. too. Yeah. It's the coolest way to run. It is, and you go so much faster. Oh, you absolutely do not, but... <laughs> <laughs> And that was kind of the issue everyone was taking with is they were making me play sports and they were like, Alex runs like, (laughs) well, he he runs like he he can't be playing the sport with us. And so somebody has to, (laughs) somebody has to change the way he does it. That's funny because I remember I ran that way too. And unless we're like describing two completely different things here, which we very well may be, but uh, I'd need to see you run in order to really fully understand this. But I ran like that too. Come over. and I remember uh, uh, I, there was a track coach at my school who saw me run. And he was like, you should join the track team. Good God, <laughs> your leaps. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the leaps. I mean, I think that's other... just the thing he says to everybody. That's kind yeah, of why there's also other track events. Maybe he wanted me for one of the jumping ones. Now that I'm an adult, I rethink about every interaction I had with an adult as like a 13 year old as just like they didn't know what to say to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Very much so. <laughs> I remember there was a tweet that uh, went around for a while where like uh, somebody was like kids, like young kids now, like they, they're just like non entities. They're non people. They like uh, when you ask, I asked my nephew, like what he's into. And he said, I don't know, nothing. And he's like, kids just aren't into stuff anymore. I'm like, no, that kid just didn't want to fucking talk to he you. didn't he did, he was trying to get out of the conversation yeah a every, lot like these robots are trying to get out of war yeah so tell me more about this so so they're robots and you're rethinking uh their role in society and how you treat them i'm rethinking everything um and so it is kind of just embarking on this kind of well-tread territory there uh but There's it brings a guy up like, in this show who looks like jordan peterson that's right and maybe that's a message <laughs> um but uh, they keep bringing up that it's the 39th Central Asian War, which I think mm. is very funny because it's like, man, wars one through 38, those were nothing. Compared <laughs> 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 to this 39th one, that's when it really hit the fan yeah. robot-wise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I guess the main hang-up I'm having is Astro Boy's an old manga, right? It's from like the 70s or 60s or some shit. Yeah. And uh, is it's it a, like the first one or is it the first one that like came over here or some shit? I don't know. I'm I just feel like I think of it as being the first. <laughs> let's pull up the wiki on Astro Boy real quick. But um, anyway, it has kind of like an old timey understanding of what a robot is, where it's just mm. like robots are just a guy. And so these robots are having these existential dilemmas. The manga ran 1952 to 68. Christ, that is an old, old, (laughs) 
old cartoon. That's like some Isaac Asimov manga. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so uh, they, they're having these heartbreaking decisions, but then they go to do <laughs> robot stuff, right? Because this is like before computers. And the robots yeah. will like die and they'll be like, oh, no, my robot died. And then they like. They don't do any robot stuff. They're not like, I'll download another one or whatever. <laughs> we got more. <laughs> I can clone it exactly because it's a robot. It's just like, isn't it sad when a robot dies? And it's like, isn't not that really. sad? I just I Googled um, what is the first manga, and it says, known as the hand scrolls of frolicking animals, this work is considered by some to be the foundation of modern manga. The tale of the monkeys made in the late 1500s follows on from this and shows monkeys acting out serious and comical human situations. Look at this monkey with huge tits. <laughs> <laughs> it's unrealistic how big they are. <laughs> Never seen a monkey with tits this big. <laughs> Kind of can't get attracted to real world monkeys after seeing this cartoon monkey. Look at this monkey with glasses and a tie. He's Ooh. not giving the girl monkey the time of day. <laughs> He's kind of a dark <laughs> monkey. He he represents a path most monkeys refuse to follow. <laughs> I want to be just like him. He's an int J monkey. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, I'm going to keep watching it. It's pretty good. Yeah. I would say it's good, but it's not as good as the cyberpunk anime that they put out last year. Sure. On Netflix, which people still got to go see that show rocked. Are there good? Are, are these being made by Netflix or are this being brought over here? So I think Netflix, because they have all this money, is just producing foreign media and then is like, eh, we'll bring it to America too because it's anime or whatever. But I know that the uh, the director for the cyberpunk one, for instance, is like a Brazilian director with a full anime studio. So mm -hmm. it's like a true international project in a really inspiring way. But uh, yeah, people, nobody seems to watch this shit. So I, I, I mention it every podcast I'm on. It doesn't really yeah. seem to affect anything. No, I definitely, um, I mean, anytime I see anime pop-up on netflix where it says like this is a netflix produced thing i immediately think like oh this is gonna be dog shit there's no way this is good and see this is also what i thought but they mm -hmm. just started giving money to these like underfunded studios that i mean like i want a netflix comedy thing i can only imagine if netflix came up to you and you're just like some japanese animation studio you'd be like yes great i'll make an american show whatever yes you honor me with this business offer also you honor me and we're shaking hands <laughs> and take my card and i'm bowing to you <laughs> is that the order of operations they're doing a handshake first handshake card I know, maybe it's card handshake. See, I'm not ready to go. I'm not, not ready, ready for the major You're not leagues. Ready. Folks, I'm not listen ready to the to bonus join. episode to talk. We're, we talk more about Alex's desire <laughs> to be Japanese. I don't have the cards yet. <laughs> You'll have to pay $5 to find out if I get those. Anyway, the show's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Well, this week, uh, I so I in our previous episode, um, you had brought up the movie Be Kind Rewind. Yeah, actually, maybe Jack you brought Black. it up in the uh, maybe brought it up in the bonus episode. Folks at home in the bonus episode, we talk about um, Criterion Collection and uh, Alex had posited that maybe there should be a Be Kind Rewind Criterion release. There may well be. I didn't look it up. However, I did watch Be Kind Rewind again. And it's also important to mention I was seriously suggesting <laughs> Criterion must pick up Be Kind Rewind. And it wasn't a throwaway movie title that just popped into my head. Starring most F. Yeah. Had you watched it recently or something? Why was it in your. Uh, why was it, um, was it in, in the old noodle? I have not seen it since 2003 or whenever oh. it came out. And. Okay. Uh, I think I just see it every time I close my eyes. Is that the one where the shit disappears? 2008. Oh, yeah. I must be thinking of a different Jack Black vehicle. Never mind. Yeah, no. So you 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 are misremembering this. This movie is about uh, a video store in Passaic, New Jersey, where um, uh, most Def and Jack Black work. And uh, Jack Black uh, 
is on like a CIA watch list or some shit and they come to take him down. He lives in a trailer park. They come to take him down and uh, they chase him. He's not doing so well. He goes into a uh, um, an electric substation uh, and gets all electrocuted and shit. And that turns him into a magnet. So he's a human magnet. Uh, and this, will, this will only be relevant for the inciting incident of the movie and never come up again. <laughs> because what happens Why is it? because he's a magnet, he uh, accidentally erases all of the movies in their video rental store. So now it's all blank tapes and um, somebody comes in uh, to rent Ghostbusters. And um, well, uh, he, you know, they in a bit of a panic, uh, realizing they don't have the movie for them. They say it'll be in tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. And they go and they film their own version of Ghostbusters. And um, wouldn't you know it? It's a charming lo-fi version of Ghostbusters. That this is this person, slowly coming back to me. This person then shares way. with others and they find it very funny. And then they go to them and they say, can you make more movies like this? And so they go on and they make hundreds it seems like hundreds of movies uh that they just recreate themselves low budget with a little handheld camera it's very charming it's very cute um and uh you know eventually they get a a copyright violation um there's also this sort of like a b plot about like the building that the video store is in is getting gentrified and they're getting kicked out Uh, there's also a c plot of um the jazz musician Fats Waller uh, supposedly grew up in the building and is kind of like a local legend. Hooked uh, yet? What? Are you hooked yet? Do you want to see what happens to Fats Waller's building? <laughs> well, in the end, they they lose the building, and it also turns out that Fats Waller never lived there. Oh, okay, so never mind. But people really like the movies and uh, they make a bunch of money off of that and they get a bunch of local acclaim. And um, it's just a very cute little movie about uh, how fun it is to make stuff with your homies, you know. So is he not a magnet anymore? So he is. And they like very nominally bring it up here and there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that, it wouldn't seems it like delete all the new films as well. So if if I had to get so basically he has to touch them. And I think the reason why all the movies uh, get erased is because he like falls over the, the stand in a very like Jack Black physical comedy sort of a way. And he touches all the movies and that makes them um, erase. But basically for the rest of the movie, it only ever comes up again when there's like a moment where it would make sense for Jack Black to hold the camera. And then most def will be like, no, you can't touch it because you'll erase the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's still part of this. <laughs> it really feels like they like they had this idea and they were like, all right, we want to make a movie, but these guys making movies. Why? Why is it going to happen that they have to do it? Um, whatever. He's electric. He erases the movies and whatever. And, and, and then like for the rest of the time, Every time they're shooting a scene where it would make sense for for Jack Black to be holding the camera, somebody will be like, oh, hey, just remember, he's Look magnet. Out, he's a human magnet. <laughs> just a reminder for continuity's sake. You're going to want to not have him touch the camera. We got to find a way to work around this in the moment. <laughs> it's not so relevant. That's going to be the movie. But like our friendship will be and we just can't have him touch these. Exactly. Friendship and the magic of movie making and stuff. Uh, that's really kind of like the the meat and potatoes of this movie. Can I clarify that I was thinking of the 2004 vehicle Envy? Mm. Ben Stiller, <laughs> Jack Black. Where what happens he, in that one? Jack Black invents a magic spray that makes poop disappear, oh. but it actually teleports it. Mm. And it on his IMDb is his second lowest rated film. No after, kidding. After um, Never Ending Story 3. And he has a <laughs> lot of films. He does. Yeah, he's got a really insane career. He Prolific had, career. During this period, especially, he's just hitting fucking home runs over and over again. Like, this is in the same... A like, different four girl year, every night. <laughs> this is the same four-year stretch where he does uh, School of Rock and... Um, he does, like, uh, uh, the Kung Fu Panda and, like... Uh, I mean, it's it's fucking wild how many big ass movies he's he had like Shallow Hal. Um, oh, yeah. Fellas, we all know Shallow Hal. 
We all, we all got. If you're not, if you're looking your left and right, and you're out with the homies tonight, and neither of those is a shallow hell, <laughs> you're the shallow hell. I mean, you he's got s- this kind of like early period of just like annoying stuff, like saving Silverman, shallow hell, Orange County. Uh, but then yeah, it's like School of Rock, and then he's in Anchorman. He does King Kong. He does Nacho Libre, which I don't remember people liking. Uh, I remember <laughs> saving Silverman being based and very funny Uh and also being confused that Sarah Silverman is not named Silverman in the film and a different guy is Silverman and she's unrelated just in it. His name in the movie is J.D. McNugent. The Nuge, they probably call him. Just guessing. (laughs) Knowing (laughs) this body of work, they're probably calling him the Nuge. And just looking at the rest of this uh, lineup, we got it's Jack Black and Jason Biggs and Steve Zahn. Oh, <laughs> this is you a know they're calling film. him Nuge. <laughs> they're 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 relentlessly nuging this man. Is this the is it this one or Orange County where they have like the gym teacher character or the former football coach or whatever who ends up being gay and he's like, what is that? That sounds like Orange County to me. Yeah, that's that's like a school thing. <clears throat> and Saving Silverman wasn't about school; it was about getting pussy. Was it? I don't even. Uh, it was it, when. I, all right. So if Darren you're in a shallow in your friend group, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the homies has that bitch girlfriend. Oh, yeah. You want to hit with a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie's about that, but about right. how it, it gripping. And that's kind of, hey, I'm sorry if this podcast is more offensive than it usually is or whatever, <laughs> but that's exactly what the movie's about and what happens in it. Yeah, so it says the 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 one-line synopsis is he marries, he's, he's possibly marrying his controlling new girlfriend whose behaviors threaten the friends, their band, and Darren's chance at happiness. Yeah, and it's Sarah Silverman, and I remember her being very funny in it. Don't you hate it? when your friend's bitch girlfriend is ruining your chance at happiness. It happens every day. I didn't I see had, Sarah Silverman on this, uh, on this Wikipedia page. I think you're wrong about that. No, tell no. me I'm wrong. <laughs> I see Amanda Pete and Amanda Detmer. This is a nightmare. This is for, the one I'm with never going to recover coach. from this. Coach Norton played by R. Lee Ermy. Yeah. The fucking, um, the drill sergeant guy. Did and there's they? a scene where he like is, I feel like he's in a car or in a truck or something. And he like sucks a guy's dick and like, that's embarrassing to the boys or something. Yeah. Something like, like the homies can't have you sucking guys dick in the truck <laughs> stuff. <laughs> They'll never recover from yeah, that. Here we go. Judith helps JD realize he's gay. She knocks him unconscious to steal his keys and escape only to be tranquilized by what? Yeah. This movie has to suck. Pretty Have I bad. been? Ma- I think Sarah Silverman has been Mandela affected out of saving Silverman. <laughs> it has to be that. It can't possibly be that Silverman's in the name and you've just crossed your wires there. And that she's in School of Rock. The timeline has changed. Mm. This is very upsetting. I have to make some phone calls the moment this podcast ends because I was <laughs> sure that she was that bitch girlfriend who steals your man. And then you got to get him back. And also, sometimes one of the homies is sucking off dudes in the truck parking lot. Yeah, I do remember uh, her being pretty good in in School of Rock. I think her role in that is also as a bitch girlfriend. But in this case, she's the bitch girlfriend of um, of Jack Black's roommate. Yeah, keeps rightfully saying this guy doesn't pay rent. You have to kick him out. (laughs) Ned Schneebly. Yeah, Ned Schneebly, that's right. Yes, Ned Schneebly. She's there to be like, you need roommates who pay the rent. Also, it's kind of the plot of just like, maybe we move in together. Mm. Maybe you don't live with Jack Black anymore. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> She's a bitch. Yeah. So anyway, Be Kind Rewind is an extremely charming movie. Uh, I liked it a whole whole lot. Um, the uh, the end of it is uh, so they get like DMCA takedown uh, by... I think Susan Sarandon shows up out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> oh, she's like a lawyer and she she shows up and she's like, uh, you guys owe so much money 
um, wow. to us for copyright violation. So we're going to steamroll all of these movies you worked so damn hard on. But then wouldn't you know it? The community gets together and they're like, we love these little movies you guys make. Uh, why don't we all make a movie together? An original idea rather than remaking a movie. So Susan make- Sarandon is providing so much criticism to most <laughs> deaf and Jack Black. You'd think they're the Democrats. Mm. folks <laughs> that's the kind of film this is <laughs> if you were to watch it if you were to pull it up uh and so in the end they make a movie about like uh it's it's about fast waller and it's like um uh it's just like tall tales about him because he's not even from passaic he didn't grow up in that building he's not from passaic he never lived in passaic at all so everybody just makes up stories about him and they make a movie about his fake life in Passaic, New Jersey. Uh, and then the community comes together and they all love it and they all watch it together. But then wouldn't you know it in the end, it's not enough and they still lose the building and they have to move into the projects. That's hard. That's really, that's really <laughs> tough for him. <laughs> His story goes over much better in envy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> But most deaf is not in envy, right? No, that's Ben Stiller. Also, I Jack always get Black those two not, confused. Jack Black is not a part of <laughs> is not a part of this project relocation situation. He just lives in a junkyard in a trailer. Oh, so he's like a, he lives like a dog. And as far as I know, he is very much still magnetized. <laughs> that's a damn shame. That's really it was it was hard to be young back then. And that's mm. right before the financial crash. They don't know. They don't know. How much harder life's about to get. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know. Maybe they'd be, uh, maybe they'd, they'd luck they'd out They'd be settled in the into their career. No, they'd, they'd be lucking out in, in the timing that they lose the building and they move into the projects just in time for the housing market to crash. Oh. So they're in, you know, they're in public housing. I mean, they've got a good locked in rate that they can, you know, then buy a You just told me Jack from. Black lives in a junkyard oh, no, trailer no he's no good he's he's <laughs> i don't he's... think things are looking up <laughs> i don't think other people losing value on their mortgage affects the fact that this man acts like a human dog he acts like a human dog you're absolutely correct anyway great movie highly recommend um i had a great time watching it alex you should rewatch it i feel like uh, you really uh, enjoy it saving silverman we're gonna I have a group the, watch. I actually, straight up, I was like, I'm gonna rewatch Saving Silverman. I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> Community I'm curious how night and Orange County hold up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember loving Orange County when I was ten, which means it is definitely good. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I remember loving Saving Silverman too. I mean, these were like, it's so funny. These movies about like college age people are very obviously aimed at the like ten to thirteen market. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So you can be like, man, it's going to rock when I'm older and I can just like have the filthiest apartment you've ever seen. I'm going to get so much strange. <laughs> I'm never Your voice has a, a drop bitch yet. girlfriend. <laughs> I'm telling that bitch to hit the curb. <laughs> Not in my house. I got a gun. <laughs> If my football coach ever sucks a man's dick in a parking lot, I'll tell him to get fucking lost. I tell him it's on site, bitch. (laughs) I tell him you know you fucked up, because I'm a college-age man. (laughs) Well, anyways, folks, uh, that's, that's, that's that movie. And now, time to move on to our feature presentation whoa (laughs) cool that's right i have access to the soundboard now (laughs) brin's not here (laughs) what a rush that was yeah it's a nice little soundboard i just added that on there uh i also added the inception sound Oh, these are good. See, I I run the soundboard for my show, and I'm always looking for new sounds. Oh, yeah. Inception sounds is going to make the list, I think. It's so good, yeah, to just punctuate stuff with the... Oh, perfect. (laughs) I have um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And I remember you had a really good, um, like, breaking news one at some point. 
Yeah, I got that from my news show. Yeah, I ran a, a weekly show where I did a soundboard live from my computer and mm-hmm. uh, we did not have a designated person to do it. I would just like run back and forth across the room hitting sounds. <laughs> 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 and it was a whole hassle. And let me tell you, only I appreciated it. <laughs> of course. Well, anyway, folks, we're here to talk about the 2013 American science fiction monster film Pacific Rim, directed by Guillermo del Toro, written by Travis Beecham and starring Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba and Charlie Day and someone named Rinko Kikuchi. Household names. Rinko and, uh, Kikuchi. Ron Perlman has a little bit in there as well. And that's about it for names in this film. As Hannibal Chang or whatever it is. Hannibal Chow. Now, Alex, I simply must know. Uh-huh. Uh, what was your what was your experience with Pacific Rim? I'm glad you asked. I remembered I saw this movie in theaters two times. Mm. Um, which is kind of quite the experience because you watch it. And uh, you're very high. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and you're like, now I'll get all that stuff I missed. You didn't miss any stuff. Nope. You got it all the first time. You got every every drop. There's nothing to miss. <laughs> it's just it's pure surface level stuff. Um, what I like about this movie is clearly Guillermo del Toro approached the big money executive <laughs> meeting and he said, we're going to make Evangelion take out all the gay stuff. What do you think? Mm, yeah. There's not going to be any feelings allowed in this movie. <laughs> Dudes only. It's just going to be about but killing not in your a gay dad way. in the ocean. Not in a gay way. <laughs> no, we are not going to run out of an animation budget on this one. We're going to blow more money than God. <laughs> and they made it back, man. They They made a lot of fucking money off of this movie. Four hundred and eleven million dollars off of a two hundred million budget. Every part of it is so cool, and Mm -hmm. like it still ends up not being that good. And I don't want to jump the gun on this, but like, there's a clear structural error they made (laughs) 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 that really sinks the whole thing, and it's crazy. (laughs) So, I had never seen this movie before. This is my first time ever seeing it. I, really? uh, I only knew it from when my wife and I first started dating, which would have been around when this came out. Um, she was babysitting for a nine-year-old, and um, he was obsessed with it, and they were watching YouTube videos about it together, and um, they watched, like, you remember, like, the like Honest Trailers uh, channel? Yes. So the this is the, cracked does this now. Yeah. So the honest trailers uh, trailer for this, I guess, ends with the guy saying, yeah, you'll love this movie if you're nine. And, and then, he was nine and he was nine. And so he like he just looked at, at my wife and said, like, well, I am nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's official. I'm gonna love it. <laughs> So that is that is my only experience of this film. And you know what? I bet he did love it. He did love it. Yeah, it's damn good on a nine year old level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If your brain is like just that right space. Yeah, it's perfect. There's some stuff that's a little gruesome for a nine year old. Oh, sure. If you you can appreciate a shiny object for an unlimited amount of time, this is Mm. the film for you. Absolutely. So uh, this movie is about um, the year 2020 again. (laughs) Could you imagine? In in this movie's vision, I actually now that I think about it, did Robot Jocks also take place in 2020? It's just a cool, like it's a number that looks cool on paper. Exactly. Yes, it's a very sci-fi number. Sci-fi robot movie. You want to have something with that many like lines and curves in it. Yeah, no, this uh, Robot Jocks takes place 50 years after a nuclear holocaust. In 2020? Oh, okay. So anyway, this one also takes place in 2020, and in this vision of 2020, uh, there are giant monsters that um, emerge from the ocean, 
and uh, they start wrecking cities. And then uh, humanity builds giant Gundam slash Evangelions to fight them uh, in a in what's called the Jaeger program. Oh, all, very important. The movie opens with just an explanation for your dumb American audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the word kaiju broken down to mean big monster and yeah. Jaeger German for hunter. Now no <laughs> one can be no upset confused. and confused <laughs> when and, Idris Elba tells you to get in one. And it's also important to note that this movie opens with some great action stuff and whatever really gets you in the door pretty nicely in terms of, you know, robot fighting and what have you. However, uh, it is narrated by Charlie Hunnam, who is the star of the movie. Charlie Hunnam, you may know from Sons of Anarchy, where he has the least convincing American accent on God's earth. <laughs> he sounds like he's doing uh, Sean KB from the Antifada podcast, just like mm-hmm. a straight up like i'm bred in new york like yes. kind of like thing uh-huh and yeah it's he's ridiculous to listen to <laughs> he's doing a very bad job he is from newcastle upon tyne uh, <laughs> why is he still doing this accent <laughs> i know and that's the funniest thing right is because like you know the so later on in the film we learn that there's this kind of like global effort where like countries have like broken down their borders essentially to be like we must unite against these monsters so he his character could have been english it wouldn't matter at all to the story it would be fine <laughs> one world government his normal voice <laughs> the zog is complete just let him be british let him be british and but so no, he's like he's- these monsters they're so big <laughs> and and i texted you as i was watching it that um uh, every time he says Jaeger, I just think of the my new haircut video, Jaeger bombs, <laughs> Jaeger bombs, Jaeger bombs. <laughs> Look out. They killed my brother. <laughs> this is my new robot. I'm going to get so much fucking pussy from this fucking robot. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, folks. Spoilers for does. Pacific Rim. But well, it's you a big know. part of the narration at the beginning, too, is he's like the 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 Jaegers, they're seen as heroes. We became rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> I would trash every hotel I was in for years straight. <laughs> it's so cool. The beginning of this movie is the best part of the movie by Probably, a yeah. country mile. Mm-hmm. I'd say beginning of the movie followed closely thereafter by... Um, like the second to last battle when they're in uh, Hong Kong. Yeah. That one's pretty fucking sick. When the movie should have ended. (laughs) (laughs) I also think that was pretty cool. So anyway, uh, so we, we get this whole little montage of what's been going on with the big monsters and all that. And then, um, uh, oh, and then we meet our main character, whose name is uh, Raleigh, Raleigh Beckett, and his brother Just Yancey. an American name. <laughs> Raleigh Beckett. Raleigh Beckett and Yancey Beckett. They are brothers. They uh, pilot the uh, Jaeger Gypsy Danger. That's Good right. for a Gundam. Uh, and uh, they go out on a little mission to fight uh, Knife Head, who's a kaiju. He's got the head of a shark, and uh, also it's kind of a knife. Yeah, and so they're supposed to be protecting, like, a city. Uh, However, there's also, like, a fishing boat out there that they're like, we're going to go save the fishing boat. Not that it matters at at all. It's in Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what city was this fucking kaiju supposed to be going for? They're going to... The knife heads headed for all our pedophiles. (laughs) We got to stop them. (laughs) He's going to walk a really long way in the snow. All these pedophiles with their five thousand dollar government check—they're all gonna die. <laughs> they just want a new start at life. They—they they, they want a new chance to get things over again. They wanted to be far away from prying eyes and children. <laughs> <laughs> well, more of a tease than anything. That's what they say. Hey, we gotta save these guys. <laughs> anyway, so they go out to save this fishing boat, defying a direct order from Idris Elba. Uh, Who is allowed to be as British as he wants, I might add. Absolutely. And um, uh, do you think, okay, wait, wait, very interesting (laughs) concept here. Do you think they had Idris Alba and Charlie Hunnam or whatever his name is? And they were like, okay, one of you gets to be British. Oh, they did a rock, paper, scissors. One of you gets to be British, and Idris Elba is more famous. (laughs) He's also more famously British. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, But he's also Stringer Bell, so you know he could have done a good job. That's true. Yeah, he would have done a much better job, in fact, (laughs) than Charlie Hunnam does. 
Uh, so anyway, so he's out there with his brother. They're in the Gundam, and uh, they get tore open, and uh, uh, his brother gets killed. Now, important to note the way that these Gundams work, and there's really no reason for it to be this way, except it's kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, but the Gundams need to be piloted by two people at once. Otherwise, your brain will melt. There's a very uh, good reason, Jeremy, which is there's an episode of Evangelion where they have to do that. And it's the <laughs> coolest one. And they said, that's the whole movie. Just that's the cool it. parts. <laughs> so you got to pilot your Gundam together. You got to be perfectly in sync with one another. Part of this is there's like machinery that makes your brains meld together and you get each other's thoughts and memories at the same time. Yeah, and so it's all like father, son, brother teams mm-hmm. across yeah. the world, fathers, sons, and, emerging uh, new anyway, couples. So he gets ripped out of the Gundam and uh, dies, and uh, Charlie Hunnam is is devastated by you know his brother uh, being killed while he's mind melded to him, which I guess would be probably pretty traumatic. Uh, anyway, they <sighs> couldn't the, uh, be me, Jeremy. <laughs> They kick him out of the program and he's got to go build walls for a living now. Uh, and they also. It's true. They were like, Jaegers are out. Walls are in. It's all about walls. Cut to the walls don't work. The walls don't work at all. This is a terrible idea. They literally, it's literally presented in the movie just like that. <laughs> the walls do not work for two full minutes of screen time. They don't even keep one Jaeger out. The Jaeger just cuts through it like it's a piece of paper. He's, He's in got a Sydney. knife for a head. <laughs> He's in Sydney in the funniest shot of the movie by far, where it's just this fucking Jaeger just walking past the Sydney Opera House, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what and culture? The, the, the news person's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I so fucked up. <laughs> no, it got through the wall. <laughs> I owe the Sheila's. I know. North Ed. <laughs> no, it's North Ed. <laughs> so we get all of five minutes of Charlie Hunnam being out of the force, building a wall, and uh, then they call him back in. I don't know what this is even doing in the movie. It does nothing for it. It makes him blue-collar coded is what happens. And there's a very funny sequence for the five seconds he's building a wall where the, the uh, foreman is like, update on the wall, three guys died. And you're like, doing what? They fell off, of course. Have scaffolding. Come on, what year is it? There's also a very funny part in this sequence where uh, uh, they show the wall being constructed and in order to like actually properly code for the viewer that like there's industrial heavy machinery work happening here, you got to show, you know, sparks flying and whatever. And so all you see happening on the entire wall is guys sitting on top of fucking metal beams with a, with a, uh, with an angle grinder, just like just rubbing it against the fucking beam, not doing any actual work, just doing an angle grinder. The entire process of Kaiju wall construction is that Twitter video of the guy covered in oil moving up that one machine. (laughs) It's just like... uh, Why don't women take this job? (laughs) (laughs) Women can't keep us safe from the kaijus (laughs) because you have to have gay sex on top of the wall. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so uh, yeah, so Raleigh comes back to uh, comes back to the force and uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, it is still there, but it's in, um, what do you call it? Like, it's in exile. They're like, they're on their way out, but they want to try to kill all the kaiju before the Jaegers go, because very obviously this wall shit ain't fucking working. <laughs> well, the wall isn't working, and as a result, all of humanity is being murdered by monsters. And so yes. there's like a, a shipping error at headquarters here where they're like, I guess we'll try one more time, because fuck it. I guess spend a hundred billion dollars on gypsy danger. A word yeah. we're allowed to say because the world is ending. <laughs> All the wokes have been that. killed by knife head. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about how fucked up of a name gypsy danger. Is. Watch your pockets. Gypsy danger is coming over the wall. 
Whoa! Keep oh. an eye on your sheep. <laughs> for some reason, the kaiju went for the Roma people first. We don't know why. <laughs> what did they know? <laughs> um. So, uh, so he goes back to the forest, and now he meets this uh, Japanese woman who is, you know, a classic anime character type. What's her name? Mora Ito or something? She has a great Mako name. Mori. Mako Mori. And don't mm-hmm. worry, every other character in the movie also speaks Japanese for no reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, it's Evangelion. Um, so uh, right, so they 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 you know they're trying to find a partner for yes. Raleigh. And um, when I say every other character, that it will be like Idris Elba having like a full back and forth with Charlie Hunnam, and then he'll just turn to Mako Mori and be like, "Oh, and by the way." And you're just supposed to be like, yep, that's normal. (laughs) That's the world of 2020. (laughs) Of course they all do that. It's 2020. It's 2020. Um, So they're trying to find a partner for him for his uh, gypsy danger. And um, uh, nobody is suitable. Charlie Hunnam, of course, wants Makamori to be his... uh, I just realized how funny it is. It's like Japanese Michael Moore. Oh, interesting. Oh, Michael Moore. I see what you say. (laughs) I see what you're saying. And she is like Michael Moore in many ways. She's deadly (laughs) when you put her on film. (laughs) She speaks truth to power. She she puts George Bush on a pedestal and knocks him right off Mm -hmm. with her. So she speaks her truth to power by saying, I want to be his partner. And, uh, you know, they very half acidly do like a no, it can't no, be. You can't because you're you have too much vengeance in your heart. Yeah. But then <laughs> surprise, it's OK. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the idea there is. Like they never really expand on it too much. Well, <laughs> but wouldn't they that say be is, who you want to fight the big monster? What they say is they reveal Idris Elba is essentially her adoptive father and is just making shit up. And he's like, yeah, I was making shit up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please marry my Japanese daughter. So, uh, yeah, so they become, uh, they, they become partners. Um, they do a test thing where uh who gives a shit uh about this part uh makamori has a memory of uh almost getting killed by kaiju when she's a kid and, uh, and then she's she triggered almost, and she's owned. she almost fucking kamehameha's all of the other gundam pilots the last remaining hope of man is yeah. almost nuclear bombed <laughs> because she's so triggered and that's why this movie this movie is like very perfect in a lot of ways of like an upcoming harbinger of culture war stuff 10 years later Mm -hmm. where uh, being triggered is a big part of the plot. Um, The movie being far too long for no reason and ruining it. Yep. Shoehorning in a, a character just because in an actor is kind of hot right now, which is uh, our next thing here, which is these two characters, uh, Herman and Newton, who are scientists studying the kaijus. Newton is played by Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Kills it. He's very funny, but he's very shoehorned in. He doesn't really like. He makes all, the movie he's twice doing is expository as long as it shit. needs to be. <laughs> His whole it's purpose crazy. in the movie is just to like magically ascertain the motives of these monsters, <laughs> because otherwise there'd be no way to do it. <laughs> As you're listening to the recap of this, you're ima- I'm imagining it's got to be like, oh, this seems like you could cut a lot <laughs> of the things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like yes. when you're watching it is you're like, Charlie Day gets a full hour of screen time just kind <laughs> of being a wacky scientist. Yep. It's like its own separate movie inside. It's like an Easter egg. Yeah. So his his little B plot is that he figures out a way to do the um, the mind meld that they do inside the Gundams. He figures out how to do it with the Kaijus. And um, he from doing that uh, learns that they are like created by some alien race to strip mine the planet. And um, and, and they're going to move in. And they're going to move. They in. were waiting. Oh, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. And I do remember this from the first time I saw it is they're like, don't you see? 
with climate change the way it is. These aliens. We may as well have terraformed it for them. You might as well have asked them to do kaijus and send us knife head. You may as well be lying face down ass up. (laughs) For knife head. And he's rubbing his hands together because he can't wait to get in there. Knife first. Which, if you'll recall, is his head. (laughs) I don't think that'll feel very nice, do you? (laughs) Not to mention feeling very knife. (laughs) I'm a scientist. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. They give him a bunch of lines where he just yells, I'm a doctor, which I did think was pretty funny. Great scene. One of the best scenes in the movie, comedically at least, is him just running through the streets of Hong Kong just saying, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Folks, my parents are doctors. <laughs> they do that. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, they drift with the aliens. They find out all that shit. And then, um, oh, then two kaijus emerge at once, Leatherback and Otachi. And they uh, are sent to Hong Kong. Everybody says, there's never been two kaijus before. It's always just one at a time. This is our first double event. We better send all of the Jaegers um, to go fight. It's unfortunate, I feel, that despite this movie being incredibly long, um, we don't actually get a lot of the Jaegers. Um, Yeah. I would have liked to have learned a little bit more about the other Jaegers, what their deals are, what their special features are. We learned that the Chinese one has three arms and three pilots, but that's really it. The Jaegers are so cool. Like they have the Russian one that's like Mm -hmm. the oldest one, but it's still really strong. And then they have the three person one and they got the Australian one, which is the same as Gypsy Danger, but Australian Um, (laughs) and and not um, it's uh, like digitally oh, powered or something. <laughs> that was the okay. So I we're gonna get to this in a second, but that is the biggest kerfuffle in the entire film. Yes, as they say, Gypsy Danger is not a digital robot because it's <laughs> nuclear powered. Yes, what is powering the other ones? Do they plug them in? Like is it's it, not a electric- battery. <laughs> <laughs> it's still electricity, right? It's not like fire in there. <laughs> Is there just like a Titanic style coal engine in there somewhere? Just deep down in there, there's like five more Australians just shoveling coal into the thing. The last of the Irish are working the coal room in Gypsy Danger. Um, yeah, but no, talking to you about it now, it is pretty glaringly obvious that like <laughs> the room to make all of the other parts hit is exactly where Charlie Day fits in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing an It's Always Sunny episode in the middle of this robot movie. Yeah, we really could have had, like, uh, in a sequel, maybe, we start to deal more in what is the motivation of the monsters or whatever. I did not feel, even for a moment in this movie, oh, damn, I wish I knew why. No. (laughs) I wish I knew why they were doing this. I mean, this is Knifehead we're talking about, not to mention Leatherback and Otachi. (laughs) These are killing machines and they must be stopped. Yeah. So anyway, they uh, they get there and um, I think the Chinese one dies immediately. He has his head ripped off. Yeah. Which uh, is pretty and, cool. And then the Russian one also dies. And uh, and then they do a, a the 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 Kaijus do like an EMP sort of a blast. And that takes down the power of um, of, of the Australian Gundam. Yes, script writing rules 101. The Russian one is winning and gets EMP'd. Mm-hmm. And then while they're low, they get brutalized, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. It does really blend together because they give you another 40 minutes of robo fights. Yeah. <laughs> you just get numb. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, yeah, so Gypsy Danger is the only one that can still work after the EMP because he's nuclear powered. Because he's nuclear powered. So the EMP won't work because right. it's analog. Uh huh. So they, they show up with him and uh, he fucks up both of the kaijus. Um, kind of makes you wonder why didn't they just send him in to begin with if he's that good. And uh, the second kaiju is um, pregnant and its little baby is born and chokes itself on its own umbilical cord. (laughs) Yes. And this is the first time they um, uh, reveal that the kaijus can be pregnant. Mm -hmm. And 
And then Charlie Day mind melds with the baby one to get the last of the uh, expository information out of it. I don't know why the newborn baby would have all this information, but hey, who am I to wonder, I guess? They're a hive mind, Jeremy. They're what a am hive I, mind. a fucking, what am I, a kaiju doctor? No. You certainly are not, and you would be left out of the bunker. I would, yes. Uh, there's also, yeah, some shit with Ron Perlman is this very... I gotta say, it's completely worthless. Uh, it does nothing to the movie, even a little bit. However, Ron Perlman is an absolute delight in this movie. He rocks. <laughs> he has golden shoes. <laughs> some His cool name is sunglasses. Chow, and he is as white as the day <laughs> is long. <laughs> there was no reason for any of it to happen. Uh, I think that's what I enjoyed the most about it. Is like yeah, he doesn't need to be in this. He's an illegal kaiju organ trader. Uh, not really clear what the market is for this, but whatever. <laughs> they imply it's like rhino horn. It's like male I fertility. Say, I was gonna say there's some Chinese middle class guy getting his dick hard by eating kaiju liver. <laughs> That's it's tough out there, especially in 2020 Hong Kong. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, you know, he beats him and whatever. And they uh, <laughs> they go back to base. And we're um, at minute. What? We're like at like the halfway point of the. Moment. Yeah, right. And there's <laughs> but there's only one paragraph left of this description, my friends. And uh, we get possibly the possibly the least compelling least interesting part of the movie which is we find out that idris elba is dying of radiation poisoning <laughs> because he had a nuclear gundam and we're See, supposed I started to be like playing... oh damn i can't believe this character is sick oh Not no mako mori's adoptive father that's we're so saying. rough <laughs> oh no zanendesne we're all saying <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, yeah, there's another hour of this. So they got to, well, at this part, I started playing games on my phone. So I did lose <laughs> a lot of what's left. <laughs> so at this point, they realized that, uh, the, as part of Charlie Day's, um, you know, a little mind meld. He finds out that they're coming out of, you know, the Marianas Trench or whatever. They're coming out of some fucking hole in the bottom of the ocean. In the they're Pacific like, we gotta go Rim. go plug it up. But the they're only way to do it is in. to ride a Jaeger down to blow it up. Yeah, uh, because and, and, they have to tell the portal that they're kaijus. Yeah. Or yeah, they got to ride a kaiju down there. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Um if yeah, anybody's and, confused uh, about the terms Kaiju and Jaeger, I encourage you to pull up the first frame of the movie Pacific Rim. That's going to lay it all out for you. So, uh, yeah, so they go back out. Uh, the Australian dad has been injured in battle, and so Idris Elba takes his place in that Gundam. And, uh, you know, it's, it's he another... He has that famous line, doesn't he? What? I'm injured. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, no, my arms hurt. <laughs> H. H. We've all seen the shirts that say H. <laughs> so, yeah, so they go, um, they go back out into the ocean and, um, they gotta they, they close fight, this portal. They fight two more kaiju. These ones I don't think are named. Uh, no, <laughs> they're just sons they of bitches, these kaijus. And then they're an even bigger ones down there. Yeah. So they, um, you know, they kill the one. Uh, Aegis Elba's Gundam is severely crippled and he does a self-destruct um, Gundam wing style. And um, yeah, whatever. Gypsy they, Danger. The, Gypsy Danger rides the dead kaiju down into the Marianas Trench. They blow it up. They go in their little skate pods back up to the uh the the ocean surface and they're safe for now even if you're like even if you're the most credulous and generous you could be towards this movie as i was the first time i watched it high out of my mind the fact that they escape from the bottom of the Marianas trench through a interdimensional portal where they shoot off a like hundred billion ton bomb mm -hmm. and they're like thank god we made it out of there is yep. so ridiculous it's so ridiculous, and it's and it's an hour after the movie should have ended. A full hour, <laughs> where they keep spending so much money. 
<laughs> it's not like it's like a cheap hour. It's like a lot of you could have two movies. You could have had two movies very easily. And they did. I mean, they made sequels to this and shit. And no one watched those, I think, because they felt like the first one was several movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's my theory on it. Well, anyway, that's the movie. Um, yeah, Alex, what, what are your what feelings? You, what, what are your what are your feelings on it? Is it getting a recommend from you? OK, so here's how I feel about it, which is that this movie, because I'm paying close attention to this on the rewatch as it, there's an official judgment here. The movie rocks like Mm -hmm. all of the parts of it are fantastic. And the only real mistake it makes, aside from giving Charlie Day his own (laughs) plot that lasts as long as the rest of the movie, um, because that is fun to watch, even if it's stupid, like the whole thing's stupid. Don't go into it expecting it not to be that. I mean, it's really dumb. But uh, if it was 80 minutes, it would be fantastic or if it was like a short series like if this was a netflix like six episode 25 minute um enterprise like all of the parts are good like the last fight is good the fight where they go into space sorry we didn't mention that and then back down and survive oh yeah right there's the one that has (laughs) wings and it flies them up into space that's pretty sick i like that charlie day was hacking into their brains and bleeding out of his nose and he has Mm -hmm. a stupid plot with the other scientists nobody cares about but like the whole thing's so goaded um it just should watch this uh in two separate occasions i think Mm -hmm. uh cut it in half and then it's kind of fun just turn it off when you lose interest because it's not redeeming to keep watching no you are not rewarded for your effort even a little bit you're punished you're punished (laughs) for your interest uh and idris elba rocks in this by the way he does yeah so cool um yeah i'm gonna say this definitely gets a recommend out of me as well it is very stupid uh it is possibly one of the dumbest movies we've ever watched for the show however it really makes up for how stupid it is in pretty fucking nice little um, the robots are great robot fights yeah the The robots robots are are really sick and the kaijus are really sick and you know you just gotta you gotta come into this thing with dog brain, you know. You gotta just come into it being like, I'm checking out. I think you had it right the first time. Just get really high because you're not missing anything by the first like, time I saw this, I thought it was like Citizen Kane. I was like so <laughs> moved. I'd even go so flight. far as to say when when fighting is not happening on screen, you can go ahead and take your phone out and just kind of check Twitter, do whatever you want to do. I don't know, because they have stuff, at least for the first hour of the movie, that's like, okay, we're between robot fights, so we need to do a staff tournament (laughs) (laughs) in the white dojo, and Mm -hmm. Idris Elba's judging it, but he won't let his daughter fight. (laughs) (laughs) And then she just beats up Charlie Hunnam. This actress is like 75 pounds, and there's one scene where she like rolls under him, and he like flips over, and it's like... Well, this is classic anime slash martial arts shit, you know, where it's like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who's stronger because she's fast and swift. And I see she's well trained, whatever. Yeah, she's very well trained. Also, we Um, did not hit this, but it needs to be emphasized. The simultaneous piloting is very fun to watch. It's very funny (laughs) to watch. Yeah, it's not. I think it I think that's less cool than the uh than the giant robots um themselves however it is pretty fun they have to all together we're gonna sock them and then they they punch at the same time it also is pretty all funny. the fighting is just punches yeah it's very funny that there's like a left hand right hand thing going on and you need to have the two people but then the 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 three-armed chinese gundam has a third guy but they all still have two arms and they're all still doing they're the same synchronized it. thing. So what is operating the third arm? Not Folks, clear. you got you got to all do it or it won't work. It won't work. Or it will not work. Also, it's just like the there, fusion dance. There are several times in this where they're like big move they're doing on this existential threat to humanity is like they knock it over in the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they toss the knife head uh jokingly on its little keister into the ocean and it gets up and it's like ah you got me ah nuts ah, i bet that looked cool it says 
All right. Well, that's the episode. That's the movie. Um, folks, thank you for joining us for another Generation Loss podcast. Alex, would you like to plug anything? Yes. Again, I plugged the Quarators podcast. And me and Jeremy are mind melded, and we both put our thumbs way up for this hit film. That's right. Um, thank you for joining us. Check us out on uh, Twitter at Generation Loss or at Gen Loss Pod or something like that. Whatever. Look for Generation Loss on Twitter. Follow, uh, go to patreon.com slash generation loss where you can uh, get bonus episodes every week. You can join the Sopranos tier and decide what TV shows we watch for the bonus episodes. Uh, this week we'll be watching The Boys from Amazon Prime. And um, if you're lucky, you can join the Dark Council and dictate to us what movies we will be watching for the show. Um, I think that's all the stuff that we put at the end of the episode. So until next time. That's, That's movies. movies.